Thanks, Pastor Jim. It's good to be here and to share with all of you today. And uh, it's a privilege to be able to do that. And uh, from the sounds of it, you're getting really good discipleship here, good training. This is kind of like a place where we can come to keep refreshed and keep instructed and influenced and to know the truths of the Word of God to help us deal with life. We have, all of us have one thing in common here. We have problems. Anybody here not have ever one problem? All right, we have challenges. We have difficulties. We have ups, we have downs. We have frustrations. We have anxieties. We have challenges. Well, you don't have to look at me too long to know that I kind of had a few problems up and down, especially physically, obviously. I was only 14 months old when I got real sick, high fever. Uh, my mother's here today, so she remembers that. And uh, I got polio. Now, how many have ever heard of polio? A lot of people, you know, you still get the polio shots when you're young and you get the vaccination to make sure you're okay from that. But back in my day, they didn't have the vaccine. The year I got polio, there were 60,000 Americans that contracted the polio virus. Uh, 1955, Jonas Salk came up with the vaccine. But that was, you know, three years after I already had it. And once you get it, it's in your body for two weeks. You're in quarantine, isolation. And after the virus goes through your body and it hits people in all different ways. Some people couldn't breathe at all and had to live in an iron lung. Some people couldn't walk at all. Other people I've met and they just maybe had a limp or maybe a little atrophied arm or leg somewhere, but it hit you many different ways. That began my journey to know that life's going to have challenges. And years ago, I started a ministry also while pastoring in a number of churches called Till Healing Comes Ministries. Now I'm doing that full time and sharing about trusting God till your blessings come, till your healing comes, till your answers come. I like to say whether here, there, or in the air, your healing is coming. <laughs> so just get ready. And uh, even when God heals you or does a miracle for your body and life here, you're still going to have to go to heaven, and that's not bad. A lot of times, you know, we want to go to heaven, but not yet. <laughs> kind of like, hello, kind of like after the Super Bowl, where are you going? Disney World! You know, everybody gets excited. Uh, but every day we can wake up and say, I'm going to heaven. But we kind of say, I know, but I want to, you know. That's crazy. But the fact is that Till Healing Comes Ministries helps people deal with suffering, challenges, trials, difficulties, burdens. And the very important thing is to realize that all of us at one time or another have asked God why, have you? All of us have kind of wondered why are all these things happening? What's going on? How could God allow this to happen? Well, today I want to talk about triumphing over your trials. You're all going to have trials. You're all going to have difficulties. Some have it harder than others. Some can go through life and never get sick, though they make me sick. And uh, other people can eat a whole pizza and lose pounds. If I smell pizza, I gain two pounds. Life is not fair. And you have to come to that conclusion. And when you become a Christian... It doesn't always mean that everything's going to go great for you. Some people get really shocked when they become a Christian. They get, wow, everything's great now. I'm going to have a million dollars in my bank account. I'm never going to get sick. I'm going to just have everything going my way. And all of a sudden, a trial comes. I thought you said God would help me. Yeah, right. Okay, he will. But there's more to life than a smooth way. And I want to talk about a couple things here, a number of things, seven, in fact, of what God teaches us through problems and trials. 
So I want to say the first thing that God teaches us, seven principles of why God allows trials. And number one, God uses trials to teach us that we're not alone. We live in a broken world. Something's wrong with this world. And you know, that's also an apologetic, which is the word apologia, which means to make a defense for the gospel. The defense of the gospel is that God wants us to know that he teaches us that we're not in this thing alone. We all go through something. We all are in this planet for a reason. But we can get stuck in the Elijah syndrome. What's the Elijah syndrome? You ever been stuck there? The Elijah syndrome is he had a great miracle happen. The prophets of Baal were all destroyed. Fire came from heaven. Wow, he'll never doubt again. Right. Jezebel said to him, I'm going to kill you. And he took off running and freaked out. I often thought to myself, how can a guy who just saw fire come from heaven, hundreds of demonic prophets of Baal get destroyed by God, and then Jezebel says she's going to kill him. Why didn't he say, shut up, Jezebel, who do you think you are? I'm Elijah the prophet. You burn too, honey. No, he didn't. <laughs> he freaked out and took off running, got depressed, sat under a tree, and if we would have had Snickers or Twinkies, he'd have had them. He sat under a tree, got freaked out, and says, I give up. I'm the only one that's going through this. Woe is me. And what did God say? What are you talking about? Look at that. 1 Kings chapter 18. It's only me. I'm the only one left. That's what he said. He said, God said there in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 22, 19, 14 there too, I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, God said, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal. What God's saying, you're not the only one that's going through problems. Get used to it. Get it into your heart that we all are going to suffer through problems here or there. I like what it says in, you know, many scriptures. But I like what God said through the apostle Peter. Remember, Peter had a lot of problems. He said, be sober, be vigilant. Your devil prowls around like a what? Roaring lion. Seeking what? Someone to devour. How many of you have ever been attacked by a wild dog or a wild dog came chasing you? Anybody had a dog kind of chase you? Wow, I'll never forget one day I went to visit a young man when I was a youth pastor, went up to his house and kind of opened up the gate and all of a sudden I saw a Doberman Pinscher, a wild one, I and mean, it was black and it had big teeth. <laughs> and that was back in the days when I used to be able to walk. Couldn't walk too fast, but I could get around. I could never win a race though, not much like Forrest Gump trying to run in football, but in any event, I had a lot of challenges and this dog comes chasing after me Man, I thought I was dead. I said, oh, no, what did I come and see this kid for? <laughs> Figured it was going to be my last visitation as a pastor. All of a sudden, I turned around, tried to run as fast. I knew I wasn't going to beat it. All of a sudden, I heard them go, ah. I turned around. The dog was on a chain. <laughs> I happened to get just far enough where he couldn't go any further. That's the devil. God has him on a chain when we're a believer. He's going to make a lot of noise. He'll do a lot of barking, a lot of roaring. He'll try to come at you so close you can sense his hot breath breathing down your back. But God's got him on a chain. Resist him, firm in your faith. As a believer, you don't have to give in to that. And the fact is what Jesus said in John chapter 16, he said what? In the world you will what? Have tribulation. But what did he say? Be of good cheer. Now that's crazy stuff. God always tells us, rejoice in the Lord. Be happy you're going through problems. No, I'm doing something behind the scenes. All right, God, I understand that. But get me out of here, you know. 
And we have to know that we all, and I like what it says in Acts 14. It says they're confirming the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, listen, and that we must through what? Much what? We must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. So don't be shocked when you have problems. I mean, if you're in the military, how many of you, if you were in the military, you'd be shocked if you heard Reveille and you had to jump out of bed and get your bed made and get your boots polished? How many would say, I'm not doing that? I ain't doing it. Shut up, chief. Shut up, sergeant. How many of you know you'll be in trouble? When you sign up for something, if you have to go to Afghanistan, you're not going to wake up and dial the phone and have a pizza delivered in 30 minutes. You're not going to be able to go through the McDonald's drive through when you've got your army gear on and you're taking fire. You know what's going to happen. And I think a lot, of, a lot of us as believers, and we can be guilty, obviously, we fail to realize that this world we're living in, I like to call it a boot camp. We're all in a boot camp. We're having, I like the songs that Pastor Colton chose here today. The war, the storm, that God will bring us through that. But I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, you're in a war. We've got to understand that. None of us like war. None of us want war. We're all praying about the challenges that are going on in Syria, then with now Russia and China and all that stuff that's going on. We don't like that. We don't really want to be open to that, but we're in a war, and we have to understand that, that God will teach us we live in a broken world and you're not alone. Secondly, God uses trials to do this, make you stronger to test you, to develop you. Now, we don't like to be developed, but you know something? You don't get strong without testing, right? How do you develop muscles? You don't want to do it the PED way, you know. How many of you know that the performance-enhancing drugs is what kind of all the athletes want? They want to take shortcuts and take steroids and all those things to get them to get bolt up. You know, that's not going to help us. It's going to take true work to grow in the Lord. And I like 1 Peter chapter 1. Look with me. And this you greatly rejoice. There's that word again, greatly rejoice. That though now for a little while you have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Now think about that. We can sit here and think, well, I thought this is all really cool stuff being a Christian. I thought it's like you just everything flows. But yeah, it is cool. It is awesome. I would never want to face this life without God. But I know that this life gives us the right perspective so that we can be effective and live strong and effective, powerful lives. That these have come so that we will prove the genuineness of your faith. My, my prayer for you, as I know your own prayers for yourself, that God will help you to become a strong, powerful believer. A believer that will be able to stand in the midst of trials, in the midst of difficulties. Just like you, you think of Job who lost everything, and he said, even though God slays me, what did he say? Yet I will praise him. Now that stuff sounds like, well, that's only for really godly Christians. I signed up just to be good enough to get to heaven. Nothing else. I've seen people who just didn't want to get close to God. I say, why? Because last time I tried, the devil just came and and gave me trials. I had more problems than I ever thought of. Now that I'm kind of laying back for God, my life is smoother. <laughs> I say, you kid, it might be smoother now, but look what's going to happen in the end. Those of us who go through more challenges have greater opportunities 
to become stronger believers in our Lord Jesus Christ. To whom much is given, the Bible says much is required. So James chapter 1 says, consider it pure, there's that stupid word again, joy, rejoice, be happy. Are you kidding? None of us can really face that without God's help. When you face trials of many kinds because you know the testing of your faith does what? Produces patience, perseverance, trust. There's a word disciple, which is mathetes in the Greek. And the word disciple is one becoming like his master. My goal is to become more like Jesus. Is that yours? And how can I become more like Jesus? And how did Jesus live this life? Did he have an easy life? Did everything go smooth for him? Was he born in a Hilton? You know? No, he was born in a barn, laid in a slough trough where animals and cows would eat their food. The fact is, Jesus was called the suffering servant. So if we want to be like him, we should not be freaked out when we go through trials. Job 23, verse 10, I love this one. Job said, but he knows the way that I take, and when he has tested me, what does he say? I will come forth like what? Gold. Isaiah, I love this, 48, verse 10. See, I've refined you, though not as silver, I have tested you in the what? Furnace of affliction. I haven't liked what I've had to go through. It's not like my friends sometimes have said, boy, it must be great being in a wheelchair and having a handicap stick around your car. I said, why? Because you get to park close. You don't think I'd rather park two miles away if I could run to the store? Hello. Oh, it must be great that you're handicapped. You get good seats at the ball games. I'd rather sit in the Bob Euchre seat if I could climb stairs, amen? But people are just normal, so don't worry about it. I can handle it. But people don't really understand what we go through. In the furnace of affliction, it's not easy. You know, it wasn't easy loving sports and not being able to play. My father was a volunteer helper for a high school football coach. All my young life, my dad would go, it was before they had DVDs and videos, he would go to see the team that the team was going to play next week. So he would map out the practice sketch for, all, for his best friend who coached the high school team. He would throw me on his back like a sack of potatoes and carry me up all the steps to the top of the stadium so he could see everything better. He'd give me a Coke and a baby Ruth and said, sit here till the game's over. <laughs> but I learned all about how football was, and I loved football. I remember I would cry many tears when I'd see the kids playing, and I couldn't run. I remember the things I'd have as a child when I would have to wear braces and I'd fall. And when I would fall, I was like that true commercial. I'm falling and I can't get up. You know, well, that was me. Nobody, and sometimes I would pretend I was playing with things on the ground when people walked by so I wouldn't be embarrassed to tell them they had to help me up. All eight years of my grade school life, that was back before the Americans with Disabilities Act, they would sit me in the classroom with a carton of milk not even chocolate milk, a carton of white milk, half warm, and they'd say, sit here, we're going to have recess. And I would look out the classroom door and windows and watch everybody playing kickball, dodgeball, you know, beanbag toss and all that, and I'd sit there by myself for all eight years of, of grade school, all by myself watching everybody else play. I'm not saying those that say feel sorry for me because I don't want you to, but I want to say there 
The things I've gone through, as, as I look back, they've been nothing compared to what happened when I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. I've come to realize that the more things you go through, the greater it will be in heaven. There are rewards. Do you know that you've got rewards coming to you? You don't live for Jesus because of rewards, but he rewards faithfulness. He rewards those who will trust him. He rewards those who will say no to the easy way out, no to turning and giving in to sin when you know you didn't have to. He will reward our faithfulness to him and our trust that we can say, Lord, I'm going to trust you and love you no matter what. Wow, can you say those words? No matter what? Wow. But that's the kind of believer I want to encourage you to be. I'm not perfect. I don't have everything together, so don't ask my kids or my wife. But, you know, the fact is we all need to learn how to grow through our trials. Number three, God uses trials to reveal his presence in the midst of your, of your testing. How many of you know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? You heard of them? That was a cool Bible story I'd like to tell my kids before they went to bed. Shadrach, Meshach, and to bed we go. So you, can, you tell them that story, and they can off to bed we go with Shadrach and Meshach. And when you think about those young teenagers as what they were, they decided they would suffer whatever God wanted them to suffer so they would not bow down to the golden image. You know, when you want to choose Jesus, it's not always easy. How many of you know it's easier to go with the crowd? If you're a young person, if you're in high school here or you're in college age, it's easier to go the ways of the world, but it's, it's more rewarding if you'll trust the Lord to help you go his way. Oh, there'll be ups and downs, and you'll, you'll stumble, you'll fall. But like any good diet, you're going to blow it. But the most successful ones are you get back up again and try again. Try again. Try again. Don't give up. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, in Daniel 3, I love this, and I won't take time to read through the whole thing. But Nebuchadnezzar said, we do not defend you before this matter. He said to them, if we are thrown in the blazing furnace, the God we serve is what? able to deliver us and he says he will deliver us but i like this this is reality but even if he doesn't we want you to know we're not gonna bow can you say that even if he doesn't we're not gonna bow unbelievable and they were rewarded for that because then they heated up the furnace and it says look i see four men walking and how many were really thrown in there who was the fourth man the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. What that tells me is that Jesus will be with me in the midst of my suffering. Isn't that powerful? He's with you. I'll never forget one day I fell, and I, I, have, I can be like a football player. I have fallen at least 20 times to have concussions. 15 to 20 times I've hit my head on the ground, and I, I just heard a bunch of noises and thought I saw a putty cat. I did, you know. <laughs> kind of like, Wow. I'm laying on the ground and things are spinning. One time I hit my head so hard I had vertigo for a year. That's if you turn your head too quick or you lay down, everything spins. It's, wow, okay. But you know, one time I hit my head so hard I had to go to the hospital. The ambulance came by. You know, I always say that because my neighbors, oh, that's, I, well, I wondered how long that guy was going to last. You know, it's kind of like, is he gone now? You know, I'm in the ambulance going there. They put me in a CAT scan. I'm wondering, wow, what's going to happen here? And I'm really worried about it, and I'm concerned. So I remember I'm getting a little upset, and the Lord said, Jesus spoke to my heart, Ken, what are you doing? I said, you know what I'm doing, Lord. He said, why are you afraid? I go, 
I don't know. I just am. He says, don't be afraid. I'm with you. Everything's going to be okay. Don't worry. I'm with you. I calmed down, kept my eyes on the Lord. The test came back, and they told my wife, we've examined your husband's head. Nothing's there. <laughs> she says, I've known that for a long time. But the fact is, I got through it, and that reminded me. And not only did that remind me, but it showed me that Jesus is, is with me in the midst of all my trials. I think at that time when Jesus was walking on the water. What? The disciples were in the storm. He came to them in the midst of their trial. I think about a lot of times in the Bible where God will come to you. So next time you're going through real tough times, maybe you're, you're, you're facing a test, an invasive test, a painful test, a test where maybe they've got to kind of give you medication or, or anesthetic so they can take the test. You're concerned what's going to be the result. Always talk to Jesus. Always say, Jesus, you're with me. I want to encourage you that he's always with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He's always got your best interest at heart, even though it might not look like it. He always has your best at heart in the long run. God uses trials number four for an opportunity to intercede on your behalf. Did you know that Jesus prays for you? Now, I don't mind it if you pray for me, and I can, I can encourage you to do that. I don't mind you being a great prayer warrior because we, we've got to do that too. But when no one else is around, or maybe your cell phone died, <laughs> Nobody else you can call. Did you know that you can call on Jesus to pray for you? Did you know that? Sometimes I think we fail to, to realize that God is so powerful, greater than the greatest computer could have ever been invented or dreamt of, that he knows all the voices, all the hearts, all the people. He can know billions and billions in that, that, that the miracle of God. He prays for those who are going through challenges. Where do I get that from? You can see that. In Acts chapter 7, how many of you ever heard of Stephen, the first, one of the first deacons of the early church? Stephen was going to be stoned to death because he stood for God. He knew his time was up. He saw the veins pop out of the necks of the people of the Sadducees and the Pharisees. He knew he was going to have a real chance to get stones thrown at him, and he did. In the midst of being pummeled with stones and rocks falling to his knees, he says there in Acts chapter 7, when the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious. And it says, but Stephen, full of the what? Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw what? Jesus standing at the right hand of God. I want you to underline that if you've got your Bible open. Standing, what does that mean? He was praying, interceding. He was saying, he was cheering them on. He was like he was the home team and the crowd was that next player. And Jesus was standing, cheering, praying, interceding for him. And it says there that he fell to his knees and cried, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 34. Who then is that condemns? No one. Christ who died more than that was raised, from the, from the, uh, raised to life is at the right hand of God. What does it say there in Romans 8, 34? What is he doing? Interceding for us. Thank you, Lord, for praying for us. Even though in Psalm 23, verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the what? Shadow of death. I will fear no evil for God is with me. We need to keep that in our soul. It's very hard when you've got a difficulty. It's very hard when, 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 when bad things will happen. It's very hard when you don't know what's going on. But he will intercede for us. He will stand with us. I remember two years ago, which kind of spawned off my new book. 
It was back on kind of New Year's Eve, 2011. I was kind of, for about the last year, I hadn't been feeling well and kind of having a little harder time staying awake sometimes, and I'd get kind of sleepy during the afternoon and whatever, but I took a nap, realized we were going to get ready for having the New Year's Eve service or the New Year's Day service at the church. I fell asleep about 1 o'clock. Next thing you know, it wasn't until Tuesday or Wednesday that I knew what was going on. I fell asleep and I didn't wake up. I was unconscious. My wife and my brother came by to see me and he recalled and they threw me in my van, kept me in my scooter and drove me to the hospital. A lot, a lot of tests happened and they found that I had carbon dioxide poisoning. The doctors were saying he might not make it. I had such, such a buildup of carbon dioxide poisoning. And what the problem was is that I, I have a severe scoliosis and I have a severe curvature of the spine, so I always knew I was just living on 25% lung, lung capacity. I'd, I'd known that my whole life. Still, I was able to sing and preach, and I can preach for a long time, so. <laughs> Don't worry. Oh, shucks. I thought I was going to, you know. But God's helped me through that, but I didn't realize that I also had something called sleep apnea. How many have ever heard of that before? So they did sleep tests and found that 100 to over 100 sometimes I could stop breathing in the, in the, in the night. And I didn't even realize that. So you stop breathing, you've got 25% lung capacity, guess what? You're not exhaling enough carbon dioxide. So I had it building up into me and it was poisoning me. The doctors told my family, we don't think he's going to make it. He might have to have a tracheotomy. I thought, oh, I'm going to have to be like Christopher Reeves. Oh, my goodness. I'll have to have one of those things on my neck to help me breathe. I'm thinking, oh. And all of a sudden the Lord reminds me again, slaps me in the cheek, kind of like, you know, you should have had a V8. I'm thinking, oh, okay, yes, Lord, I got it. He says, I'm with you. I've been with you all these years. Don't forget. But you know, we're all human, aren't we? We all need to be encouraged. And the Lord says, Ken, I'm praying for you. You're going to make it. It's not your time yet. And I says, are you sure? The doctors are saying it's probably it. I felt like the old, for those of you who are old enough to remember Fred Stan, you know, Sanford, it's the big one. I'm gone. You know, he got me through all these years, but bye. Little would I realize that after... 33 days in a hospital or a rehab center, I was back home and I began writing this book 18 months ago. Now the book just came out. Because I want to continue to make sense of why this world has so much suffering in it. The number one question, I've ever heard of Lee Strobel. Lee Strobel's a great writer. And he sent out all kinds of questionnaires and said, if you could ask God one question, what would it be? The number one question came back. Why does God allow suffering? And you see, number five, God uses trials to transform our weaknesses into strengths. I want to be strong in the Lord, and I always have been. I would love to have been an athlete. I would love to have been a, a bodybuilder or somebody that could jog and run. I'd love to have been able to get myself dressed. Never once in my whole life have I ever gotten myself dressed by myself. I've never once been able to get my hands in my own pocket and get out change. Oh, no, do I, am I depressed about it? Oh, it's discouraging at times, but I've been able to serve God with my whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. I've been able to love my neighbor as I love myself, and with God's help, I've been able to be used by him, and that's the greatest thing you could ever ask for. So the fact is, he's turned my weaknesses into strength to trust the Lord. For 2 Corinthians, because of a surpassing great revelation, Paul the Apostle prayed, Lord, take away this thorn in my flesh. But what does it say? No, my grace is what? Sufficient for you. 
for my power is made perfect when? In your weaknesses. Wow, that's so hard. My power is made perfect in your weaknesses. If you get a copy of my book, I encourage you to do that and read it. Pass it on to somebody else who's going through challenges. Every one of us goes through some in some way or another. I remember back then, 2002, December 14th, I remember saying goodbye to my third year, my, my, my third son, Ryan. And that night, we didn't know what time he came home, but that, that night we didn't realize. But at 5 in the morning, he passed. He died by suicide in our basement. And I think to myself, I couldn't even get out of my own bed. I couldn't run to the basement as my wife did. I thought to myself, what am I going to do? And here the Lord had to bring me through that. And little would I ever realize that through that, the Lord would use my wife and I to, uh, to do counseling and sharing with people who have lost loved ones to suicide. For like a, n a number of years, I had, for nine years, I had a concert. People like Matthew West and Sanctus Real and others. Maybe some of you might have even gone to one where we talked about suicide prevention, suicide awareness. God turns weaknesses into strength. I just shared with a family yesterday in my home office who lost a 37-year-old daughter to suicide four weeks ago. Just being able to share from your weaknesses, things that you'd never wish upon anybody, challenges and trials that you'd never wish upon a soul, God takes our weaknesses. And how many of you know he can bring us through? Turn to your neighbor and say, God's going to bring you through. He is. He will. Every one of you, no matter what you're going to face in your life, don't give up. Maybe your marriage is so troubled right now. If both of you, if you can take two people who can somehow, some way, grab on to Jesus. Maybe you've got a child and a teenager that's going astray. Just have people agree with you. Just keep loving and trusting. Keep going to second and third mile. Don't give up. You never know what's going on. Number six, God uses trials to discipline us. Now, we don't like this part. I don't like to be disciplined. You know, no kid does. But God will allow it for a reason. I love Psalm 119, verse 67. Before I was afflicted, what did it say? I went astray. But what? Now I have obeyed thy word. C.S. Lewis said, God whispers to us in our pleasure. He whispers to us when everything's going great. But he screams to us through our suffering. Suffering's like God's megaphone to say, hey, things are tough, but I need the Lord. It's almost like God saying, hello. Have you ever been thrown flat on your back through an illness and God says, hello? When's the last time you had devotions? Oh, let me think here. Oh, I mean, he's not going to be doing that to us just to make us read the Bible. But he does get our attention. How many of you ever had that experience? He does get our attention when things aren't going good. Through communion, he says, discern the Lord's body. Make sure your heart's right before you take communion. I like what it says in Hebrews 12, endure hardships. God's treating you as his children. He disciplines us through tough times. And then last of all, point number three, God uses his trials to manifest his final purposes and plans. I love Romans 8, 28. If I, if I got a tattoo, I've got a son that's got a whole arm full of tattoos, you know. Oh, Pastor Ken, do you leave tattoos? Or, well, forget about it. Let's not worry about tattoos. But if I could get a tattoo, I'd put this on my arm. It says, God works all things together for the good to those who love him, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Wow. Can you say amen to that? Amen. I have come to be a poster boy 
for God's going to work it out. <laughs> God's going to work it out. You're going to make it. You might not look like much in the end, but you're going to make it. He's going to bring you through if you'll trust in him. Don't give up. I love it, 1 Peter 4, 19. So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to the creator and continue to do good. But the one who endures to the end shall be saved. And then it says in Romans 14, 10, for we'll all stand before the judgment seat of God, for we're all going to appear before the bema seat of the Lord. The bema seat was like the Olympic judge seat where the Olympic judges would judge the comp the, the, all the competitors. I don't have time to go in through all this, but my book goes through it in the last two chapters. How that the more we suffer, some could be the greatest ranking we're going to have in heaven. The rewards. Heaven's going to be part. We're not going to be like angels sitting on a stupid cloud with a dumb harp. No way. Get that out of your brain. There's going to be mountains to climb, universes to discover. There's going to be tons of work we're going to be doing for God forever. If God could make this ugly, stupid world look beautiful, just think what heaven's going to look like. Amen? I mean, you're not going to be bored. All right? Get it out of your brain. I've had young people say, oh, I don't want to die before I can get married and have sex. What? I want to have a baby. I'm, that's fine. Go ahead. But those babies grew up to be teenagers. But anyway, <laughs> the, we all think, oh, I've got to have this. I've got to get married. I've got to have kids. I've got to, you know, relax. Heaven's going to be so much more beautiful, powerful, and great. Heaven is, is great. Are you excited about heaven? I mean, let's get a greater glimpse of what's going to happen. So trials will show us it's going to be okay. Let's pray. Father, I just commit this, this, this day to you, everyone that's here, and I just pray you'll bless them and minister to them. I commit the service now back over to Pastor Jim, and I appreciate the opportunity to be here today and love to share with you back at the book table later on. God bless you.